Hey, beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's Word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Welcome to another episode of the Saver Podcast. We're so glad you're here with us today. Today is a special day because it's a special week. Stacy's rolling her eyes at me, but this is a really big week for you, Stacy. Right? What's coming up on Friday? Maybe my birthday. Yay! Happy <laughs> birthday! By the time you all listen to this, it will have passed, but she will still accept all belated birthday wishes and gifts. There you go. That's right. So happy birthday, Stacy. Aw, thanks. Speaking of that, my love language is gifts. At least that's what I've always thought it has been. But I think recently it's changed. I think quality time is becoming my love language. Can your love language change? I would think so, for I sure. So. I yeah. think so. Like, I started thinking about it, and I was like, huh. I'm not getting the same feelings with gifts. So you guys are all off the hook there. Just spend time I remember when you first told me your spiritual gift was uh, not your spiritual gift. What are we talking about again? Love language. Love language. Sorry. <laughs> your love language was gifts. You're like, I feel so bad about that. And I was like, you don't need to feel bad about that. That's, we all love to give gifts, but you, you like to give people gifts too, I think. I do. I do like to To do make that. them feel loved. Yes, for sure. And then I realized as I did feel guilty because my love language was gifts, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so God gave us a gift to demonstrate love. And then I felt better about it. Yeah. But now There's I think no it's, shame in that. Yeah. But now that you've got all that worked out, you've moved on and it's yeah. quality time now. Yeah. I think it's quality time. I so think mine's always been quality time and acts of service. Oh, for sure. You want to come like do something nice for me, clean my car, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's well, good. It. Are you doing anything fun for your birthday this weekend? Yeah, we're going to go play Top Golf on Sunday. Oh, fun. Yeah. Have you done that before? Uh, oh, you have done. Oh, we took the boys we several did. spring breaks ago, but your arm was hurt and you couldn't play. I know because I had a messed up arm because I'm middle-aged. But and middle-aged women then. have issues with their shoulders, by the way. <laughs> but you've done it since then, right? Yeah, we have played okay. since then. We actually played with you again. I was, I was trying to think that. I was like, I think we did it together. For Jeremy's birthday? No. I don't remember. It was something. I don't know either. Who but knows? yeah, that's what we're going to do well, someday. That'll, That'll be, be fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it. I mean, I'm terrible at it. I'm no good at it. Our boys can hit the ball like all the way to the very end yeah. of it. And I you think and your I. My husband was hitting it pretty far too. Yes, but you and I are more likely to hit the people in the bay next to us. <laughs> I did scream four once. I don't know if that, if that happens a lot at Top Golf, but it'll like hit that little thing in front of me and like bounce back but I was watching this video the other day which made me feel better a girl swung the ball I mean swung the club club thank you (laughs) (laughs) swung the club really hard like I try to do missed the ball which I've also done several times but it made her fall and she actually fell into that little net thing that you're like why is there a net here well that's why there's a net there for people like us Wow, that's scary. Okay, you guys should pray for us before we go to Top Golf. Actually, you should pray for the people in the bays next to next us. Next to us. <laughs> yes, that that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, 
is the Lord speaking to you about anything? Like in the last week or so, you've been doing anything in your quiet time where the Lord's kind of yeah, talking to you? But it's hurtful. Like it's painful. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I shared recently just with some struggles I was having with some anger and frustrations um, over some circumstances. And uh, so yesterday I'm doing the Amos study that you suggested that you love so much. Good old Amos, y'all. Yeah, so I got that, and I'm doing it um, slowly, but I'm doing it. I'm only on day three, and I think I started it like over a week ago. So um, I had some extra time yesterday, and so I just went to a pretty place because I love, like I just feel like the Lord talks to me better outside in nature, especially if there's water around. Amen. And it's a beautiful day. So I went outside and sat, and I mean, it was hard. I really just, if I'm really honest, it's what I was studying was all about compassion and, you know, brotherly love and speaking kindness and offering forgiveness and grace. And it's hard because if I'm honest, I really just want to be a witch. I <laughs> I do. I just want to be a witch. And so this is a painful process, but it um, landed me in Hebrews 12 and it says, it's Hebrews 12, 11, and it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So for me, this process is just a process of discipline. Mm-hmm. And um, it's right. It is painful. Yeah. But I will obediently continue on the path and try my best not to be a witch. Yes. Well, I think that is amazing that you're willing to share that. And for all of you ladies who are listening to this, um, you should applaud Suzanne for her vulnerability because it's it's hard to be honest and share those things. But I think that's where when we talk about it and expose it, then light shines in, you know, because if you run down that road of, well, I just want to be a witch. I just want to be, you know, sit in my anger. Where's that going to lead you? That's probably not going to work out for the best for the good of those around you yeah. and for the glory of God. But it sure does feel good in the moment, doesn't it? But that, well, and it, today it led me to your table bawling my eyes out about 30 minutes ago. But <laughs> Hey, that's okay, though. And we listen, if you're listening to this, you need people in your life where you can be led to the table and cry and talk and discuss and then, you know, allow the Lord to minister through those conversations. So that is our prayer for you guys. Just on a side note, as you're listening to this, our prayer for you is that you do develop community. You cannot do this life alone. I have to share with you a little wisdom bomb that my daughter shared with me. Um, Don't you love that? Oh yeah. I told her I was totally stealing it. I was like, fine, I'll give you credit for it. But dang, that was good. We were talking about community and godly community and she it was just, you know, trying to process, like, it's not perfect. And I was like, no, girl, it's not perfect. Look at the disciples. I mean, you had a zealot. You had a tax collector. Like, they didn't get along. They wanted to kill each other. It's not perfect. And she said, yeah, as I've been processing, she said, I felt like the Lord told me, hey, let your community encourage you, not define you. And I think that's really powerful. And I think that's one of the aspects of community that we feel is so vitally important and why we do this podcast to have real honest conversations and to leave you with savor moments to provoke real conversations in community so that your community can come alongside of you and encourage you. Now, sometimes our community has to rebuke us for things, 
but it has to be done in community, in grace, in love, in truth, in God's word, but our community can't define us. And I think the conversation you and I had earlier before we recorded was a conversation where we were in community with one another, doing all of those things, but not letting our community define, yeah, I'm right in this and I'm going to be defined by this in this community. Yeah, that's, wow. Thank you, Emma. That's very wise. I know. I I was like, wow. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. And and I see Emma as someone who's really doing community well. Yeah. Like as going off to college and really getting plugged in with a a good community. Yeah. And I think that's so vitally mm. important whatever phase of life you're in. We just aren't called to do this life in isolation. We just mm-hmm. can't. I mean, Jesus demonstrated what it looked like and he never demonstrated being in isolation. Solitude, yes isolation no he never he didn't do life alone he was constantly eating meals and walking with the disciples places and doing ministry with other people so even if you're in ministry and you're like it's my ministry i'm gonna do this ministry all by myself that's probably a red flag have fun with that yeah let me know how that works out for you because on your hard days i'm not sure it's gonna work out too well yeah but you taught about that once which i thought was really like a really good point that really hit home with a lot of women is that isolation and solitude are two very different things. For sure, for sure. And and I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but yeah, isolation is just that. It's just me and Jesus. I'm just going to be alone. I'm, I'm just going to do this by myself, and I need to be just me and Jesus. No, that's not true. Solitude, it, there are times, and, and part of our savor moment is going to take you into that solitude. Solitude is time spent alone in the presence of God, but it is not isolation. Isolation is when we want to separate from everybody else all the time, and we just want to stay in our little individual world in my house and block off everything else. There's a real difference between solitude and isolation. Mm-hmm. It was a great point. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. Well, tell us, share with us. You shared earlier, I think in the year, maybe um, kind of like a a life motto. Would you call it a life motto or a life? I would say a midlife motto because (laughs) I've picked it up in my midlife. (laughs) (laughs) A midlife motto um, of something that you've been really trying to practice. And part of that, I think, is some solitude. Um, But can you share with us a little bit about what that is? Yes. So I have this five word midlife motto um, and I've kind of adapted it from some people that I've listened to, but I basically try to do this uh, on a weekly basis and it's rest, fast, pray, work, repeat. And I think it's just something that I constantly have running in the back of my head to remind myself, oh, these are the things that are important. These are the things I need to be doing. Rest, fast, pray, work, repeat the process. That's good. So when you start with rest, what does that, I read a really great quote the other day um, and shared it somewhere, but it was rest only feels like a sin if work is an idol. Oh, that is so good. Wasn't that good? I wish I had come up with that myself but I don't remember where I read it but I was like that that is good yeah because I think for a lot of us when we this idea of rest 
we live in such a society of production and got to produce, we got to produce. Um, and, and honestly, that was no different than, you know, the disciples in, right. in the culture in which they lived. Um, you know, in fact, rest was such an, a thing about trusting God that their needs would be met if they quit working. Oh, yeah. But what does that look like for you? How do you start this five-day or five-word? Yeah. Is it five, one, two, three? Yeah, five-word yeah. five thing. Yes. So I think it's important, the order, at least in the beginning, for rest, to start with rest. I think that's a concept that the Lord has opened my eyes to over the last few years. And when we talk about rest, I'm actually literally talking about Sabbath. And I know that's not something that we think about often because a lot of times culturally when we hear the word Sabbath, we think about Sunday, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so for me, what I think about with it is that we must start from a place of rest. One day last week when I was in my journaling time with the Lord, I long and look forward to my Sabbath. And the Lord was like, right, and that's great, and I want you to do that, but I want you to look forward to what your Sabbath can accomplish down the road, mm-hmm. too. So um, when we think about when we start, so often we think about because of the way the American work week is, it's Monday through Friday, and we work to get to Friday so we can have two days off, which is another thing that's problematic for us that's different than the biblical, historical culture that we see in Jesus's time. In America, we have a five-day work week and a two-day weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Well, technically, biblically, God said, work six days, rest one day. And so I think our mindset of a two-day weekend kind of messes with us a little bit. But I think we work to rest. And biblically, I think we're called from rest to work. So I first have to rest in the accomplished work of Christ, and I have to know Christ, trust Christ, and out of that, I can begin the process of fasting and praying and working and then repeat that process over and over again. But I think for me, the idea of Sabbath and rest has been really hard because, like the quote you just said, maybe I do idolize work. I I wouldn't say work per se as a job, but work in, I want to be needed to feel like I have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think scripture talks about the priority of rest. And I think it's one of those 10 commandments, one of those commandments of God. And we see even Jesus talking about that we let each other off the hook on. Like if you came to me and said, yeah, I'm really struggling with my Sabbath. I'm really having a hard time setting aside one day a week to completely rest and Sabbath, I would be like, oh, I'm so sorry, Suzanne. But I probably wouldn't go into my innermost prayer closet and like get on my face and beg God to bring you back to that place. But if you came to me and said, I'm really considering, you know, drinking alcohol every day for the rest of my life and I can't stop drinking, I would be like on my face praying for you like, God, this will destroy her life. In reality, not honoring the Sabbath is also going to have destructive uh, outcome on your life. But it's just one that we kind of let each other off the hook on. And I think it's time for us to recognize we are called to Sabbath. As a matter of fact, when I was kind of getting ready for this and thinking about it, I went back to a sermon that actually my husband preached at Crosstown last summer. And 
he talked about in in identifying rest or the Sabbath, there's a priority to it, there's a process, and there's a purpose. And God clearly makes known to us the priority of Sabbath. Exodus, I think it's like chapters 20 through 31 or something kind of builds the whole story about about it. But we see Sabbath as early as Genesis 1 when, you know, on the seventh day, God rested. Mm-hmm. Um, but Exodus 31, 13 says, and this is the Lord speaking, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And then Exodus 31, 17 says, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And I just think this idea of above all else, this is a sign that I, the Lord sanctify you. And I think that's what we lose when we don't honor the Sabbath, when we don't make that a priority in our life. And it's hard, but it is a big deal to the Lord. Uh, And Jesus, when he came on the scene, he doesn't abolish the law and the prophets. He says, I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus tells them the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Like in Christ, we find our rest. And we're called to do that. So practically, what does that look like? What is So I'll just share with you my experience. My husband and I have struggled with this for years. And just recently, probably since he preached this sermon, <laughs> have started doing a Sabbath together. And our Sabbath usually starts about 5.30 or 6 on Friday afternoon and runs till about 5.30 or 6 on Saturday afternoon. Um, and we started at sundown and run through sundown because in Genesis, it says there was evening and then there was morning the first day. So kind of that staying biblically rest first and then work. But for me, it's not so much, it's not a day off. So it's not a day for us to go, you know, clean out the garage and run errands and do things. But for us, it's, it is a mental exercise of resting from work. So it's obvious we wouldn't check our work email or handle work calls and those kinds of things. That's super obvious. But is it okay to clean out the garage on your Sabbath? I don't know. For you, it may be okay to clean out the garage on your Sabbath. It's a what stirs your affection for the Lord, do those things. If it's not stirring your affection for the Lord, don't. But the biggest place I've been challenged to Sabbath is in my thoughts. See, physically I can rest, but where is my mind mentally? So I can choose not to check my work email, but what about that situation at work that's reiterating itself in my mind over and over again, or that relational problem I'm struggling with and I need to trust the Lord with? On that 24-hour period of Sabbath, when it comes into my mind, I literally say out loud, God, that is not for me to deal with today. I am resting. You're a God who never sleeps nor slumbers, and you will never stop working. So you keep working on that while I'm resting in the fact that I can trust you. So for me, my Sabbath is a real challenge mentally. That's a really good distinction uh, because I think a lot of us think about resting, but not what are we doing in our rest? Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Kind of what you're saying. Um, So a lot of people take this as rest, like I'm going to lay on the couch and watch movies all day. 
if that's how, if that serves your affection for the Lord, go for it. I think that's a really good way to evaluate how you're Sabbathing. Is what you're doing establishing, sorry, what'd you say? Stirring. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, is what you're doing on your Sabbath stirring your affection for the Lord? Because that's the purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, part of the purpose is to turn your eyes to God, to see his faithfulness to see his trustworthiness and remind you probably of who God is and who you are in Christ. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. So for some people, you may love to go out and go running in nature. I am never going to run on my Sabbath ever. I'm probably, well, let's be honest. I'm probably never going to run on any day of the week, but one day I'm going to get you to love running. You only have to love it for like three or four months out of the year. That's the only time I love it. You just love it. Three yeah. Or four I'm not months sure I can. So I probably wouldn't be running. Um, you know what? If I was truly Sabbathing, I would probably be like out on the water or like kayaking or, and some people might think I'm never, I would never kayak on a Sabbath. So Sabbath is whatever is stirring your affection for the Lord and being in nature a lot of times does that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a really good definition, a working definition uh, for you to think about when you're Sabbathing. And I love that practical tip when the thoughts come into your mind to say, God, that's not for me today. Or, you know, if it's something causing anxiety, you know, I was talking to someone the other day having a lot of anxiety and I said, trying to work. And when that thought said, just Lord, give me your peace. Yes. Lord, give me your peace over and over and over again. And so, I mean, what a great um, thing to talk about because I, I, you don't hear that regularly when people talk about Sabbath. Yeah. And for me, I honestly, that's been the biggest challenge because like I didn't ever want to do Sabbath on Saturdays because there's sometimes there's commitments, there's birthday parties and baby showers and other things that I have to do. And I'm like, I don't store my affection for the Lord. I mean, y'all, I love you, but you want to know a secret about me? I don't love wedding showers or baby showers. (laughs) Don't enjoy them at all. No, I don't. I, I'll throw a party all day long, but when it's a baby shower or a wedding shower, and I throw them all the time oh, at my so house. You do so that all the if, time. If you are about to get married or having a baby, and I know you, I'd love to throw a shower for you, but it's really not something that always stirs my affection for the Lord. And so the Lord's challenged me, hey, change your thought process about it. And so there have been times when we've been doing the Sabbath on Saturday where we have gone to birthday parties or different events. And instead of being like, oh, this is ruining my Sabbath, I pray a blessing over that person and ask the Lord to change my heart and my mind to, to celebrate what the Lord is doing. So those are, those are some things that, that get challenged, you know. Another one was like soccer. And I thought, well, I can't go to these soccer games on my Sabbath because I'm supposed to do what I want to do on my Sabbath, which I do think there's part of what stirs your affection for the Lord. Do that on your Sabbath. But I love watching Joshua play soccer. So if he has a soccer game on a Saturday and I have to be there at 8 in the morning, that's okay because I love doing that and I enjoy that and it brings fulfillment to me. Um, So it just was over the last year, God's really kind of helped expand my thought process and show me that Sabbath is a mental rest for me too so that I know that it's the Lord who sanctifies me Mm -hmm. and establishes you know, the rule and reign is me recognizing that he is Lord. Wow. Yeah, that's just a crucial point. I feel like my mind's blown for Sabbath. (laughs) So after you Sabbath, so you're resting, where does fasting fit in for you? Yeah, so fasting is an interesting thing. And I think 
um, for me, when I think about, you know, the next, the next two in my motto, it's rest, fast, pray. Well, it could be rest, pray fast. So I think praying and fasting, I can't separate Mm -hmm. that well because I think they go hand in hand. And for me, because I do struggle with pride, it's not a stronghold anymore. I have overcome that, but it is something that I have to always be aware of. And one of the quickest ways for me to, um, disarm pride in my life is fasting. And so for me, fasting food is a thing that I do. Sometimes I'll fast from my evening meal at night. And I think I've shared this on the podcast before until my evening meal the next night. Um, Sometimes recently it's been a fast of breakfast and lunch for me. Uh, During Lent, the Lord had me really in contending prayer. And so daily I was praying. um, and And I did that through fasting breakfast and lunch a lot of times, or just breakfast some days. But fasting is this idea of denying myself a basic need. And so some of you are out here and you're listening to this and you have struggled with eating disorders. And so the idea of fasting food is like an immediate, I can't do that. And I understand that. And I, and I, I respect that. But I do think that we see scripture talking about how Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must pick up my cross. You must deny yourself. And I think that's the part of fasting that's so vitally important is deny myself that thing that I need like food or that thing that brings me comfort. So for you, it may not be fasting food. It may be fasting social media. That may be a bigger challenge or fasting that TV show that you want to binge watch um, and setting aside time to, to recognize We need to disconnect from this world. We need to deny ourselves the pleasures that are offered to us in this world and press into prayer. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think it's important to note too that fasting, the intent of fasting is to bring us into the presence of God and allow him to meet our needs. Oh, for sure. Um, And sometimes I used to fast like so I could get something I wanted. And while I think that there is something maybe to that, I don't think that's the intention of it. And in fact, if you want to hear more on prayer and fasting, we actually did a two-part series living on a prayer Um, earlier. I think it's number eight and number nine. So if you want to go a little deeper into what fasting looks like or anything, go back and listen to those. Um, So we've got rest, fast, and pray, or pray and fast, and then work. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we've heard, you know, phrases like, let go and let God. And if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. Uh, no, God said that we are to work. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. We are his work of art created in Christ Jesus to do good work that he's prepared beforehand for us to do. So there comes a point where I have to do the work after I have rested, after I have fasted, after I have prayed, then there comes a point where I have to put my hand to the plow and I have to actually do the work. And I think that's just a really good life motto because in any one of these areas, we can fall into a trap. So maybe you're a workaholic and all you ever do is work. Mm. Then you, then today what you need to hear is you need to start with beginning to honor the Sabbath in your life for one 24 hour period. And then you got six days to work. But maybe you're a person who's just like, well, it doesn't matter if I do anything or not. You know, that's never going to change. That relationship is never going to change. He's never going to stop doing X, Y, Z. 
Well, if you begin resting and praying and fasting, and then out of what the Lord's spoken to you in that prayer time, maybe start doing that work. So start sacrificially loving, start intervening in that relationship, start speaking words of kindness. I mean, the verse that God gave me last week to memorize is Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth except that which is fitting at the right time to, for building up an edification and will offer grace, you know, and that's work. Let me tell you, that's work. Yeah. I think that's a, when we say work, you don't literally just mean the vocation, your no. vocation. Well, it can mean your vocation. Obviously, um, most of us have a job of some sort. Um, and yeah, you can bring um, certain aspects of God. Maybe you can't talk about God, but you can bring, bear his fruits of the spirit in your workplace and things like that. But also this is doing the work, like Stacy just said, at home, in your home, with your neighbors, with your family, um, yeah. or wherever God has placed you. Yeah, absolutely. And so I do think that sometimes we fall into a tendency of just letting God, well, I prayed about it and God's going to do the rest. No. God, when God made Adam and Eve, again, back to Genesis, he told Adam, go name all of the animals. He created man to work. Now, God ultimately is in control, but he has called us to rule and to reign, to be ambassadors for him, to, to be able to do things on this planet. He's chosen to invite us in to do the work. And that work sometimes is challenging and I can only do that work appropriately and well and honor God in it if I have first rested, fasted, prayed, and then I get up and do the work. You know, as you're sitting here talking, I'm just thinking, and I know I've shared this before and I'll probably never stop sharing this idea, but I feel like we see a lot of pushback and probably from people who maybe are not believers or who are just frustrated with the church, the the large church at large and um saying things like we're sick of your thoughts and prayers we're sick when when tragedies happen and there's a part of me that definitely understands what they're saying but as you're speaking I I just keep thinking because we're not allowing we're not doing these steps right right we um we're or and or we're believing just let go and let God right well that's not what we see throughout scripture we see people doing the work of rest, fasting, and praying in order to do the work. And yes. so we can't expect the church, the big C church, to be doing the work if its people are not praying and fasting and resting. And I think that's one reason maybe we feel like there's a lack of work from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times we do see people stop at thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just recently um, was listening to a book that we've talked about on the podcast before, Praying Like Monks, Mm -hmm. um, Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten. And he said, you know, a lot of times when you're interceding, praying for other people, God shows you you're the answer to that prayer. Mm. And I think that's so true. And I think the church is sending out thoughts and prayers. And again, we're talking about the church universal. Right. um, And I think instead of putting our hand to the plow and actually doing the work that needs to be done. And, and you're going to get tired when you do the work and that's okay because God offers again, 
the path to restore us. And that is resting in the fact that he never sleeps nor slumbers. And Jesus even says in the New Testament, um, my father has never stopped working and neither will I. Like we can rest in that so that we can be encouraged to keep moving forward. And when we don't see the results that we wanted, we go back to, okay, I'm going to rest that you're working this out, Lord. Right. And I had another example. I don't know why this is like starting to spark a fire in me about a bunch of cultural issues. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Stacey's going to be like, no more, no more like uh, fly by the seat of your pants uh, <laughs> stuff with Suzanne. But like, I think about also if you are a Christian who is pro-life and very vocal about being pro-life um, because you pray about it and you think about it and you're passionate about it and you wake up in the morning and you think this should not be this way then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you, what work are you doing yes. in that arena? You're, are you fasting and praying and then resting and then doing it again until God gives you the work to do in that arena? Um, because I feel like we hear a lot of that, but we don't see as many Christians out there doing work, like like real work. Right. Like, are you fostering kids? Are you adopting kids? Are you out there helping teen moms? Are you supporting them in some way? Are you educating them in some way? And we could do this for so many different issues, right? That one just happened to come into my head. But I do think that our resting and our praying and our fasting is going to lead us to the work, but only if we're willing to do it. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important to have all five words in your mm. midlife motto, um, that it has to be, and it has to start with rest. I really believe we have to start trusting, resting, relying on the accomplished work of God in Christ Jesus. And you've got to start with that. You've got to rest, fast, pray, work, repeat. And I think that is a motto that needs to be lived out. And it's one the Lord has just personally challenged me with. And I don't do it great all the time. And when I don't, I ask for forgiveness. And on that Sabbath day, when I begin letting my mind do some work and fretting about things, I just ask for forgiveness. I use that grace to propel me back into this process. So, um, and it's a quick, easy motto. And it just, you know, put your hand up and just say it like one finger at a time. Rest, fast, pray, work, repeat. It's a real easy thing to get in your mind. It's easy to memorize and it has a lot of impact. And I have seen the benefit of it in my life. I have seen the fruit of establishing these rhythms and routines in my life that have freed me up from anxiety and frustration. Now, again, I'm not saying it's perfect all the time, but when I apply that motto to my life based on God's word and I do it faithfully, I absolutely see the fruit of that. And I think that's part of the crux is not to devalue the repeat. Yes. Right? So yesterday I, I shared what I did. I was fasting um, as I did this and praying and um, had Sabbath earlier in the week. And um, and then today I'm here feeling all the same things, crying mm -hmm. about it actually, and just feeling all the same things. So just because I don't feel like, okay, I don't know what the work is to do now, um, maybe the work for me today was just coming here and let, like having a cry session 
and then I'm going to repeat because I don't feel like I've got guidance from God. So don't be discouraged in the repeat. Maybe sometimes the things that we're doing are the little steps of work. Yes. And just keep repeating until you feel like you're good, maybe. Yeah, that's such a great point to not negate the repeat because it happens over and over again. So um, we hope this episode has been helpful to you guys. And we would love to hear from you. So if you have comments or questions, then you can email us at saver at crosstownchurch.com. Don't forget to like us and subscribe to the podcast, share it with other people, post it on social media if it has been helpful to you. And we are going to finish with our saver moment today. Suzanne, you want to tell us about the saver moment since it was your idea? Well... So I was, we always like to talk about a food or a drink or something yummy that we're enjoying. And I am a big coffee lover, Um, but I don't always get to make coffee my favorite way, which is French press, because usually I'm just in a hurry in the morning and have about enough time to put the cake up in so I can do something while that's happening. Um, So we were just thinking about that and I was like, oh, I just love actually a French press coffee. And I said, but the bad part is, is you have to weight on it right because it has to brew itself or whatever it's doing in there all you real coffee people know what (laughs) the the function is or whatever's happening um so just if you've never had french press coffee um maybe to try one um and make it at home if you can because you do have to wait you have to wait and uh set your timer and for that five minutes or however long yours says just to rest just to rest in that five minutes um, trusting that you're about to have a really good cup of coffee um, and just to, you know, pray in that five minutes, just yeah. to, to sit and rest, um, pray. Yeah. I mean, do you love French press coffee? I love French press coffee. It is amazing. We'll actually include in the show notes a link to a very reasonably priced French press that you can order on Amazon. Oh, yeah, they're cheap. Yeah, they're not mm-hmm. expensive at all. And um, it is it is a delight. And sometimes on our Sabbath mornings, we do enjoy uh, lingering with a French press cup of coffee because I'm telling you guys, if you haven't had it, yeah, That's so maybe good. while while that is brewing, you can just have that real quiet rest for five minutes. And then once your delicious cup of coffee is done, maybe just sit and, and pray. Just set a timer for 10 minutes and just talk to the Lord um, in that time while you're savoring um, that delicious cup of coffee. You can also savor His goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I just want to say as we end today is, Give yourself grace Mm -hmm. in those moments when you don't do the process all the way, but don't relax in that grace. Use that grace to propel you to get back into it and to do the cycle again and again. So don't forget, rest, pray, fast, work, repeat. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR Women's Ministry or Crosstown Church, please visit CrosstownChurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.